Gospel according to the witness of St. Mark, the first chapter, beginning with the first verse. Uh, The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Uh, This is the Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. In the past few days since Ash Wednesday, so many people have expressed their appreciation for the noon and the evening services that were provided. Uh, Pastor Clark, Pastor Watts, and I have heard from so many people, many of whom attended our Ash Wednesday liturgy uh, for the very first time. And I'm talking about longstanding members, uh, new members, and visitors alike. Uh, By God's grace, the music... Uh, the imposition of the ashes, the Lord's Supper, and even the sermon um, touched people. Uh, Members of faith and visitors have communicated uh, how much this opportunity to worship meant to them and how the Spirit of the living God uh, did something as we gathered here in this house of worship to hear the Word and share the Lord's Supper. And so our response to that as pastors is um, what every Lutheran should say when there's an affirmation or a compliment or some kindness, and that is solely Deo Gloria. You know, to God alone be the glory if he took what we did here and used it to bless lives and touch souls. So as we move into this season called Lent, Uh, we will be doing what Christians have done for centuries. Uh, With greater intention, we will be focusing on Jesus. Now, we reflect on Christ, don't we? Uh, One way or another, each and every weekend when we gather to worship on Saturday night and Sunday mornings. But during Lent, we deliberately look even closer at the, the way of the cross And on that cross and in our Lord's passion, we see his perfect obedience to the will of the Father. And so we're going to be focusing on Jesus and his obedience 
uh, as we walk with him these 40 days of Lent to Palm Sunday as we commemorate his entry to Jerusalem and then go with Christ to his betrayal, his passion, his burial, and his resurrection. On this first Sunday of Lent, uh, we hear God speaking. Uh, We hear God speaking a good word, a powerful word, as the heavens are opened when Jesus is baptized. You are my beloved son. Now, we need to do some good theology as we meditate on the text this morning. You are my son. You are my beloved. Now, Jesus uh, did not need to hear this. Christ already knew who he was. Uh, He was not lacking in this self-awareness, this knowledge, if you will. I want you to listen to um, a narrative from the Gospels that is very familiar to some of you, but is going to be a text that a few of you are hearing for the first time. It's from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And uh, we are going back to a time when Jesus was a boy. He was a mere youth in his adolescence. I'll read it for you. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual. And when the festival ended, they started to go home. But the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents did not know it. Let's just stop there for a minute. How many of you remember being on a family road trip and some son or daughter, maybe even mom, was left behind at the gas station? Don't raise your hands. But some of you know what it's like when you get on down the road and, well, where's Bobby? Where's mom? Well, back in the restroom at the gas station. You know the panic that that can create. Um, Listen to this panic. Listen to this anxiety. Uh, Assuming that Jesus was in the larger group of travelers, they went a full day's journey, not just five miles down the road in a car. And then they started to look for him among their friends and relatives. And when they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem. And after three days, imagine that, your child is gone for three days, they found Jesus sitting among the teachers in the temple. And everyone who heard Jesus was amazed at his understanding and answers. Now listen to this. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. I mean, it doesn't say it in the scriptures, but that sounds like a scolding to me. (laughs) And Jesus says, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? So you see, when God speaks at the Jordan River, he's not telling Jesus anything he doesn't already know. God is affirming what Christ has known about himself from his youth. And this voice is not something that Christ, you know, um, is hearing in his head. He's not imagining this. The voice was audible. It was heard by all those who were present. John heard it. Jesus heard it. 
so did all the city folk from Jerusalem and all the country folk from around Judea. Because you see, God spoke not to um, enlighten um, Jesus, but to inform the people, the people, urbanites and country folk. They needed to hear this good news. That's how Mark begins his gospel, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Those people needed to hear it. They needed to hear God speaking. This is my son. And I submit to you that people today, whether they live in the country or downtown Albuquerque, uh, people today need to hear the same message. People need a clear, honest, loving proclamation, a word regarding the true identity of Jesus. And even in our age of information, with so many resources available to us, not just the old hard copy books and libraries, but all that information on the World Wide Web, on the Internet, uh, we can't assume that with all these resources, people will know the truth or come to um, learn the truth about Jesus on their own. Do this if you uh, trust but verify. <laughs> um, I did a Google search for Jesus this last week, and at least on my laptop, it indicated that there were one billion, that's a B, one billion, 220 million different web links that would all tell you about Jesus. And some of those first web links, I'm not talking, you know, in the 500th million category. I'm talking in the first few dozen. Uh, some of those websites are getting a lot of hits because that's how they move up the chart, right? That's how they move closest to the top. Uh, one is by the American Atheists. And they don't even believe in God, let alone that God had a son. Another website proclaims that Jesus and Lucifer, the devil, are brothers. You might know that one's provided by um, the Latter-day Saints. And yet another website, and this is the one that's most bothersome to me. Um, it's put there by a group of so-called Christian theologians and scholars, many of whom I know from my younger days, who um, have appointed themselves as this uh, intellectual think tank called the Jesus Seminar. And they have decided on their own, behind closed doors, as they um, smoke their pipes and stroke their beards, that Jesus was just a man, and that his father is Joseph and no one else, and that when he died, his body was put in the tomb where it decayed and he never was raised again. So you need to be careful when you're looking on the internet um, because there's plenty of fake news to go around. Long before today's fake news, um, people were making up stories and putting false narratives out there. Uh, the 28th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. It's the first Easter morning. The Roman soldiers were charged to guard the tomb, 
and the tomb had been sealed. And by the way, when I was a boy, I thought it meant that they had sealed the stone that was rolled in front so that no air could get in or out. Actually, it was a Roman seal. It was the mark of Rome. So to break that seal, uh, resurrection is illegal. (laughs) Those guards, those Roman soldiers were charged. Um, Don't let anyone do anything here. And when they were at the tomb, the stone was rolled away and Jesus was raised. So the Roman soldiers uh, cooked up a plan in cahoots with the religious leaders of the day to tell everyone that somehow uh, Christ's disciples came in the middle of the night and stole his body. They didn't want to get in trouble with Pontius Pilate. And like uh, so many of the lies and the cover-ups today, especially uh, those involving earthly principalities and powers and corrupt politicians, there was uh, some hush money involved. The soldiers were paid off. And it's all right there in God's Word, Matthew 28. So we need to be very wise when it comes to um, the sources we use in finding out about Jesus and who He is. And we need to be very selective when it comes to who we can trust about his true identity. How about trusting God? How about trusting the Father who says clearly, Jesus is my beloved Son. And in this announcement, in this Affirmation of our Lord's sonship for all the people to hear. God then expresses his pleasure. I hope that all of you can remember at least one moment where someone expressed their delight, their, their pleasure in you, their, their affirmation of who you are or what you have done. I hope your mom or your dad said that at least once when you were growing up. If not, your parents, you know, maybe an aunt or uncle, a grandparent, a teacher or a coach. I mean, we all need encouragement. We all need a good word. And God expresses um, his pleasure with you. I am well pleased. So let's do some more theology. What about Jesus that day was pleasing to the Father? Well, what's happening? He's presenting himself to John, his cousin, Elizabeth's boy, to be baptized. Why would our Lord's baptism be pleasing to the Father? I mean, did Jesus need baptism? What was it for? A cleansing. It was for sinners. Those who knew knew that they had disobeyed, that their lives were broken, that their relationships were fractured that they had turned their backs on God. Did Jesus need this baptism? No. Oh, but he wades in the water, meant for sinners. And this pleases God. Because you see, this, this moment in our Lord's life, as he presents himself for baptism, is what we call the beginning of our Lord's public ministry. It's about three years in length. And think about the bookends of that three-year ministry, would you? He presents himself to receive a baptism for sinners that he did not need. He's identifying with sinful humanity at the beginning. 
And on the cross, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God goes to die, receiving the punishment that rightly would be yours and my own. Do you see how Jesus is pleasing God by so identifying and ministering to the sins of the people and sinful people like you and me? Jesus did not deserve to die on the cross, and yet he went the way of that horrific public execution for your sake and mine. Jesus did not need to be baptized, but he submitted himself to the will of the Father, and that pleased God in heaven. And then I hope there's a takeaway for you, not just in your Lenten journey, but in your lifetime journey. Um, When we have baptisms here at Faith, oftentimes, you know, there'll be a gathering of the family here for pictures, you know, for the scrapbook and to send, you know, uh, by text message, by email to all the relatives who couldn't be here. Sometimes there's cake in the fellowship hall. Sometimes there's an open house. I mean, it's a big celebration. And did you read anything about a celebration of our Lord's baptism here in Mark's gospel? No. What you hear is, and immediately he's driven into the wilderness. How's that for a baptismal celebration? And he's tempted by Satan. He goes into the wilderness. You see, being God's son, the beloved, with whom the father is well pleased, did not um, protect Jesus from the assaults of the evil one. That baptism didn't put him in some kind of bubble. And if the perfect, spotless, sinless lamb of God can be driven into a wilderness experience without any sin... Um, well then it makes sense doesn't it that sinners like you and sinners like me can experience the wilderness from time to time as we await uh, that day when we see our Savior face to face and I know that many of you are going through wilderness experiences right now Uh, some of our members are still mourning the death of loved ones who passed away in uh, recent months, and some still carry the burden of sons and daughters who died all too soon. And uh, that wilderness experience you know, sometimes sneaks up when they least expect it. You know, what's wilderness? You feel alone, you feel forsaken, you feel lost. Uh, some couples in our congregation are going through a wilderness in their marriage right now. Uh, having worked so hard, you know, to achieve so much, uh, they now find themselves not closer than ever before, but more distant than ever before. And they're trying to find their way in this wilderness uh, back to one another. Uh, Some of our members are going through a wilderness of disappointment. They recently received um, news regarding their health that they didn't see coming. And it's frightful and it's foreboding. And some members in our congregation are dealing with an unexpected financial crisis. I mean, even here in the Heights, make no mistake, people find themselves um, one or two paychecks away from homelessness. So we all have uh, a time of wilderness where we might feel vulnerable, we might feel alone. And we can um, look to Jesus knowing that God's pleasure and favor didn't prevent him from a wilderness. And what happened in the wilderness? The evil one 
wanted Jesus to doubt God's love. The evil one wanted to trip Jesus up, make him doubt his identity. God doesn't care about you. You're forsaken. And Christ went to the word over and over again to remind the evil one of who God is and the power of his love that is deathless. It's what led the Apostle Paul to say, nothing in all creation, no height, no depth, no principality, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not even our own wilderness experiences. So, friends in Christ, do not be surprised if you find yourself time and time again in a wilderness of some sort. Uh, The devil wants you to doubt God's love for you or that he cares for you. But you claim the promise. You remember who you are and whose you are. That's what Martin Luther did over and over again when the evil one would come to assault him with his lies and make him doubt God's grace. And this wasn't some legalistic, you know, religious thing. Martin Luther said, you know, get behind me. You're not welcome here, Satan. Get out of my dreams. Get out of my mind. Get out of my life. I know who I am. I'm a baptized child of God. Marked with the cross of Christ. Sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. That's you. You belong to God. And as we move forward with Jesus during this Lenten season, let's take with us on the spiritual journey um, this shared identity, this promise from God. Nothing can separate you from his love in Christ Jesus. You are his. And that promise is for all eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.